The word for our time. The word for our time. The word for our time. Welcome to the Word for Our Time podcast. Today we will be speaking about the power of God. God, where is your power? This is part two to our previous podcast. You know, in our previous podcast, we spoke about the power of God and how it can oftentimes be misunderstood to be the miracles of God and all these great things that God does. And definitely that does show the evidence of God's power. But the true power of God is the power He has to create us into a new creature, to give us the power to overcome sin. You see, if we're able to walk on water, or raise the dead, or feed the 5,000, however, we are not able to convert souls, then all of that is meaningless. So, the power of God is a little bit deeper than what we initially think. Now, today we're going to talk about how we achieve that power. And it's, the, it's, it's truly a fight. It's truly the fight of our lives. Let's get into it. But first, let's start with a word of prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, I pray to you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will come down before us as we study the word together. Allow it to bring us to all truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to be going through a story. We're going to go through the story of Gideon. It's um, a wonderful story. And we're going to pull out some insights in there to see how Gideon was changed from this weak, feeble man to a mighty man of valor and how he received that power and how we can use those lessons for our lives as well. So turn with us to Judges chapter 6. And um, to set the stage, uh, here is the state of Israel. So at, this is a state of Israel that we're in is um, after the 40 years of peace of Deborah and Barak. In case you were wondering, that's where the name Barak comes from, from Barack Obama. Um, there arose a generation in Israel who did evil in the sight of the Lord. And isn't that always the case? Sometimes we wag the finger at Israel and said, man, you have all these mighty prophets and all these mighty things that happen to you and you follow God and then you backslide and go away from God. But the truth is, these stories that we read in the Bible about Israel are supposed to teach us about our own lives. And isn't it true that we have some good days, some bad days, some times where we're on God's side, uh, uh, where we're on God's side, and sometimes where we turn our back to God. So these are one of the times where they had turned their back to God. It was a generation that forgot about God and forgot um, uh, where God has brought them. A generation that turned their back on God. And because of that, they were delivered into the hand of the Midianites. And whatever the Israelites planted or built, the Midianites would come and steal it. If they had a garden that had some great vegetables on it, the Midianites would ride through and steal their vegetables. And if they had any beautiful, any lambs and sheep and, and goats that they were going to uh, eat and drink and drink their milk from, they would come and steal it as well. So they hid in caves and hills and they were afraid of the Midianites. Now, just to pause here. This story already, as it's beginning, as we're starting to get introduced into the main character of the story, Gideon, we can see that we're setting the stage here 
And this is often what happens in our Christian life. We experience a time in our life where we turn our back on God or we, or we forget about God. And, um, you know, we end up, because of that, we end up hiding in caves and hills, meaning that we end up being ashamed of our gospel. We end up not wanting to talk about our beliefs. We end up being ashamed of our religion. We complain about our pastors and the music and the particular beliefs about LG White or that anything else we'll find a way to complain about. So we often see this happen in our own Christian walk. You see, the goal of the enemy is to take the promises of God from you, to steal your crown, to steal your joy, and to replace it with fear and doubt. This was happening to the children of Israel, and this happens in our own Christian walk. You see, that's why um, we often doubt. We often doubt our beliefs. We doubt our church. We doubt the Bible. We even teach our children to doubt everything. Now, when you think about it, that's a little crazy. If we doubt that fire is hot or guns are dangerous, we may be into some serious trouble. And I understand. I understand what we're saying. We're saying you shouldn't take everything um, at face value and you shouldn't believe everything you hear. You should have a little bit of doubts in everything that you hear. And I understand that. We don't want people to be led astray. But there must come a time in the Christian experience when doubts are gone. There must come a time where we say, here I stand, so God help me. If someone comes with some evidence and you may say, well, that sounds compelling, but the truth is I know what I believe. In fact, if an angel from heaven came down and said, what you believe is wrong, you would say, well, angel, maybe you're wrong because I stand firm in my beliefs. There has to come a time in our Christian walk where we're no more tossed to and fray by every wind of doctrine. And then, and that we are settled, settled in the truth, like a mighty tree planted by the waters. Nothing can move you. Not family, not friends, not husband or wife, not demons or principalities and powers. Doubt has gone away. Now, this obviously is a fight and is truly the fight of our lives. But let's continue with the story. Now, the first time that we are introduced to Gideon, it's a sad sight. You see, Gideon is threshing wheat near a wine press. He's doing that to hide from the Midianites. He's scared, fearful, nervous, doubting, and weak. This represents some of us in our current state and in, in, in early in our Christian walk. Wheat or bread often represents the word of God. So what we're seeing is Gideon hiding and threshing wheat. It represents the believers, us as Christians in the church. Um, We may read our word, we may come to church, but we haven't received any victory over sin. We're hiding who we are. We're, you know, trying to fit in with the world. We don't want to proclaim our beliefs or talk about our God. We will talk about sports. We'll talk about even politics, but we won't bring up the word of God um, to our friends. Now, let's see where it's, where the angel, an angel now comes to Gideon. And we see what this angel says. Let's read it in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, appeared unto Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, 
you mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor? He was just hiding, scared and fearful by a wine press, threshing wheat. Now, here is the first step in getting victory, in receiving that power of God. We have to focus on God's and how God sees us and not how we see ourselves. I'll say that again. We have to focus on how God sees us and not how we see ourselves. You see, how Gideon saw himself was as a fearful man, but how God saw him was at a mighty, was like a mighty man of valor. If you focus on yourself, you cannot see how you can be saved. But if you focus on Christ, you won't be able to see how you can be lost. As we continue in the story, we see exactly where Gideon's mind is at. We see in verse 13, Gideon now says in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why has all this befallen us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? Now, but now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, have you ever felt like this? I know I have. God, you said you say you will give me the victory in this fight. I read in the Bible all these stories of miracles. Uh, and in the church, they say that we are more than overcomers and that there's power in the blood. I come to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I I pay my tithe. Why am I still struggling with these sins? Why can I not win any souls for you? Where is this power that I read about? Where is this victory I hear about? Why am I stuck in this mess? If you are really with me, God, what's going on? Have you forsaken me? Let me reassure you, God has not forsaken you. In fact, God has never left. God is continuously pouring blessings in your life. Oftentimes, we just don't recognize them. Oftentimes, we take for granted the blessings that God is pouring in our lives and we're looking for another one. Truly, we won't know until we get to heaven all of the evil that God has been blocking from us, uh, from coming our way. All the car accidents, diseases, and disasters that God is blocking. But to experience this true spiritual power of God, there are a few things that need to happen first. You see, we continue in the story. The angel reassures him. Then the Lord asks him to do something. If we go to verse 25 and 26, we see it says in verse 25, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take your father's young bull, even the second bull of, of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God up upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with wood of the grove which you will cut down. Now, you must, of course, see yourself as God sees you is lesson number one, but here is lesson number two. The second step to gaining victory and to receiving this power is that you must get rid 
of anything in your life that is separating you from God. You see, what the angel is saying is to Gideon, you want to see true power in your life? You want to see victory? Then you got to get rid of some stuff in your house that shouldn't be there. That altar to Baal. We know that Baal was a pagan god. The grove. We know that often represents the worship that they would do to Asheroth. He says, cut that down. I want to bless you, but there's something blocking my blessing. If we are honest with ourselves, we'll see that in our lives, we are cherishing certain things that go against the Spirit of God. Whether it's music we know we shouldn't be listening to, TV and movies we know we shouldn't be watching, Instagram posts we know we shouldn't be looking at, YouTube or Twitch or internet videos we shouldn't be watching, food we shouldn't be eating and drinking. There are things in our lives that bring dishonor to God. God knows it. And we know it. And the enemy knows it. God is saying, I want to pour out my blessing until your cup overflows. I want to give you that victory. I want you to win this fight and to have that power. But first, I need you to throw down that altar of Baal, to cut down the grove that's by it. This is a spiritual, a spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. There's a battle raging over the mind and soul. And when we, and when we fill our mind and fill our soul with unholy things, they take a hold of our life, uh, of our life and weaken our spiritual side. So finally, Gideon, we see is starting to change and he's starting to actually believe what God says. He tries this religion thing for, uh, uh, honestly and he tries to take what he's reading seriously to actually make a move to step out in faith. Now, he has, he's being called to fight the army of the Midianites, a great, mighty army. And he goes out to gather an army of Israel and gathers 32,000 soldiers. Now, this young, poor, weak, fearful youth, Gideon, is starting to do great things. Once now that, um, once he has started to put that trust in God. However, God tells him to lower the number of soldiers. Wait, hold on a second. There are 120,000 Midianite soldiers. They have the best weapons and they're soldiers. <laughs> the people that Gideon rounded up, the 32,000, most of them were probably farmers or laborers, not soldiers. But what God is asking Gideon to do is something greater, greater than he could have ever imagined, a major leap of faith. He wants to do something so great that there will be no doubt that it was God and God alone who brought about this miracle. And this brings our third step to achieving victory in this fight for our life and, and receiving that power of God. You see, once you start to take God seriously, He's going to ask you to take a leap of faith. So the first thing was, see yourself how God sees you. The second thing was, tear down those altars. There are things in our lives that are blocking the blessings of God. And the third thing is that we have to take a leap of faith. You see, in chapter 7, uh, 
verse 2 to 3, God is saying to Gideon, I'm about to show you my real power. You see, 32,000 soldiers is too much. Because maybe, <clears throat> maybe you will think, well, we ha- if we beat the Midianites with 32,000, it was because of the soldiers and the army. He says, no, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. Gideon, ask anyone who is afraid to go home. Now, when he does that, 22,000 leave. And so he's only left with a thousand people. So when you start to engage in the fight and try to do something major for the Lord, not everyone is willing to follow. Some of us will still be very fearful, ashamed and nervous or lazy. You know, we don't want to spread the gospel. Or we don't want to practice abstinence or get rid, get rid of negative entertainment. You see, Gideon experience something that we often experience in our own Christian walk. We're trying to take God seriously. And we're saying, come along with me, friends. And maybe they'll start that 32,000. But when things get a little fearful, when things get a little too hot, 22,000 of them are going to leave. But Gideon was left with 10,000 soldiers. Now, even that was too much. You see, God says to do another test. Another test, he brings them to the river to drink water. And he says, those who just go down and lap the water, tell them they're not fit for, that they're not fit to be in this army. But those who lap the water and who are looking along the horizon, those you bring. Now, once again, God was trying to whittle down the people who are serious about this kingdom journey. You see, there are oftentimes we want to do great things for God and mighty things. We, and we may have a group of people who, um, we get together to do these great things for God. However, if we are joined with people who have that doubt, joined with people who don't have that vision, who don't have that faith, who aren't on the same page with you, things aren't going to work out. Unfortunately, sometimes it may be best to say, you know what? How about you don't come along this time? If you're not ready, if you're not willing to put in a hundred percent to really go forward on this mission that we have, then maybe this one isn't for you. At the end of this test, the second test, Gideon is left with 300 men. Now with these 300 men, he gives them only three things, a trumpet, an empty pitcher, an empty water pot, and a lamp. Now, those three things, they're not a sword, they're not a bow and arrow, they're not a shield. How are you going to fight 120,000 soldiers with only 300 men and with no swords, no shields, no bow and arrow? But you forgot, a trumpet represents our witness, blowing clear and distinct. An empty pitcher represents a humble and willing spirit, empty of self. And a lamp represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is all that Gideon and the army needed. This is how we conquer. This is how we conquer the world for Jesus. Once we start to have that power in our lives, once we start to have that victory in our lives, we will start influencing the people around us. This is what the story of Gideon is to teach us. That even though we may be weak, fearful, scared, like Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press, God sees us as mighty men and mighty women of valor. Even though we 
We, we desire the blessings of God. God says, I want to give them to you. However, you must first tear down these idols that you have in your house. And once God does these things, he will ask you to do a leap of faith like he did with Gideon. Not something that you can possibly say it was my education that did it, or it was my hard work that did it, or it was my friends or my community that helped me that did it. You would have to say it's only God. You know the end of the story. These 300 men destroyed the 120,000 Midianite army. And it was only through the power of God. Now, don't forget the three lessons. Once again, I'll just say, focus on God, how God sees you, not how you look at, not, not how you see yourself. Get rid of the things in your life that are separating you from God and trust him and take a leap of faith. We can all be Gideons, no matter where we start. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. That power that we're looking for, that victory that we desire, God wants to give to all of us, just like how he gave it to Gideon. Let's end with a prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you so much for the story of Gideon. The story of a young, fearful, scared man who didn't see himself as much, but that you saw as a mighty man of valor. And Lord God, us today, we've we, we're fearful, we, we fail, we struggle, but you see us as mighty women and mighty men of valor. I pray to you, Lord God, that we will receive this power, receive these blessings that you want to give to us, not just for ourselves, for our own victory, but so that we will start influencing those around us. We love you, Lord God, and we look forward to your second coming. Until then, please keep us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.